Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to the podcast. So excited today for you to meet our guest, Renee Orton of Glow by Day, which is a company that specializes in products that really help to keep your hair healthy. So we're talking about satin bonnets, conditioning caps, satin lime shower caps and things like that. And not only does she have an amazing product or amazing products, but she has an amazing story and a really great business mind that I think you're going to appreciate. So we dive into that and we specifically talk about how Renee managed to sell over a million dollars worth of products on Amazon in the first year she put her products on there. We get into the sales side of it, the marketing side, and what making a million dollars in your business actually looks like. I'm excited about this interview. I can't wait for you to meet Renee. So let's dive right in. Hello, Renee. Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, girl. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Please tell us how you got the idea for Glow by Day. How did that come about? You know, did bonnets come first? You know, I have, my journey is, I have many different variations of the story, but so for time purposes, I'll just start with, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think many of us, and I think your audience knows how difficult it can be when you have an entrepreneurial spirit and a mind and you just don't know how to really put it into practice and you don't know how to like start. Um, For me, that was the case. I knew I've always wanted to have my own business. I knew how important it was for ownership. And so I just didn't know what to do. And I was introduced to um, Amazon FBA, which I know we'll go into more specifics later about, but that was and I, I tried different things before I learned about Amazon. Just throughout my 20s, I would try just randomosity of things and nothing really stuck. When I was introduced to Amazon FBA, that was a real game changer because it allowed me to kind of focus in one or two key areas without feeling overwhelmed. And so my first product was Matte Bonnets. In fact, it was nowhere near the hair care space that it is now. But I just wanted to get a product up there. I wanted to kind of understand the platform, understand the experience of, you know, putting something out into the marketplace. And it just like for that, I didn't have a true connection with the brand or the product that I had that I was selling at that time. And it just, I was like, where do I go from here? Like I'm making sales, but I don't know what to do with this other than just like put out more products. And I really didn't want to do that. It was bath bombs. So I had, um, and I still have actually, they're still available on Amazon, but I just didn't feel any true connection or passion with that product and just serving that market. And so I was brainstorming with my husband and he actually gave me the push to say, you need to find something that you're more connected with that you can kind of get behind and really serve. And I had to go back to the drawing board and really, and I was really product focused at this, at this point, which, you know, my advice would be a little different with someone that starts and we'll get into that as well. But I wanted to, my, one of the things that was you know, you just kind of look around you. You kind of see what problems you can solve. You, you're trying to look what you like, what you're interested in, what you're passionate about. And what you're passionate about, and I always like to say this, it can be something you love, but it can also be something that you hate. Um, because passion is an, an emotional feeling. So I remember, and this was like a very aha moment for me, when I had just given birth to my first child, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I had braid, long braids in. I, I love protective styles. And my bonnet that I had at the time, it was the, the beauty supply store bonnet that you would buy. And it, could, it couldn't hold my braids. So I literally had to tie with a hair tie my hair, my bonnet, and like tie it like a ponytail just to hold my braids. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> no matter, you know, this is just not a functional product, at least for me and my needs. So that's when I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to design a bonnet that I really think can serve all my different various hairstyles, 
one that is specifically and intentionally made. And that was like the first, that's the first true blow by day product. And then I, I kind of figured out what market I wanted to serve and what solutions I wanted to provide in the marketplace. I love that. I really do like that you did mention from the very beginning, it was about figuring out what problems you can solve. And I talk about that all the time on the podcast mm-hmm. and on my social channels, because that is ultimately what all business owners are setting out to do from the very beginning. You have to solve problems. And I really, really love that you did make note that that wasn't the first thing you tried, but you did figure it out along the way, right? So awesome. How long were you selling the bath bombs before you switched over out of curiosity? For six, seven months. Um, And I still actually do manufacture and do the bath bombs. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a, just like almost a passive, <laughs> a passive stream of income because I don't really focus on any new innovation or inter- like introducing new products in that same vein. But yeah, I, at that point when I started to think like, okay, what could I do next? Like, what could I serve the people that are buying these specific bathrooms? Like, what could I serve them next? And I could not, I just like, I don't really, I don't even take baths. <laughs> So I'm like, I can't really get in that space. Not that it was like only people that took baths, but I really couldn't. It was a great gift item. It was a great therapeutic item, but I just didn't really connect with what I could, where I could take that. But yeah, so six, seven months, that's when I was like, what could I do next? And that's when I was like, I need to get into a space I can have sustainability and longevity in. And something you enjoy or something that you like, you said a problem to fix. Like you said, you're solving a problem. So you could be passionate about creating something for people, or you could be passionate about fixing something that drives you crazy. Right, right. Right. One thing people get worried about though, is a saturated market. I personally think that there's enough space for someone in any industry that's really doing a great job or have an excellent product, especially if they're fulfilling a need that isn't there. Like you said, you're looking for bonnets that couldn't hold your, there were no bonnets to hold your braids. You know how many girls wear braids? That's a problem a lot of people have, you know, because most products at at the end of the day, a lot of them are subpar in markets. But were you ever worried about that, about the saturated market and, you know, people saying, oh, it's a lot of bonnets out there. And if so, how did you overcome that fear? You know, for me, I don't know if the word saturated market was my concern. It was more about, it was a few different things. So my platform that I launched on and kind of was always kind of looking at was Amazon. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what's available? Um, How can mine be different? And I would say there's three things that you want to make sure, like you want to want to rein in on before you start or, you know, as you're thinking and brainstorming in the beginning stages, there's going to be three things you want to just carve out and make your own. Because a lot of the times you hear people nowadays say like, people are buying you. For me, I didn't have a personal brand. I know that like everybody is different, but what you bring to the table is also different. And then there's also factors intertwine with what you bring and how you bring it to the market. So the three things is number one, your product. So how's your product different? You know, what does it do that's different than the next person next to it or the next thing next to it? Number two is the channel. So like I said, I was looking at Amazon and the only option that I saw was the same option that I get at the beauty supply store, which is the regular thin see-through type bonnets that at the at the beauty supply store is like maybe two ninety nine and on Amazon Girl, I know exactly like what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's like four ninety nine. And so and then the third thing is your customer. So like who's your ideal target market? And for me, I kind of looked at all of those and I was nervous about, okay, I want to bring a bonnet that's going to be just intentionally and superiorly made. Like it's not going to be this that probably costs maybe 10, 15 cents to make. It's going to be a premium option. And I'm nervous that if I put this on Amazon and they see that it's three times the cost of what they can get the next other option on there, like, am I just going to be like out here alone? So I had to kind of create the confidence and give myself the permission to say, no, you're making a different product. This is not, if you want just uh, the cheapest bonnet, you can go there. And what I've learned from talking with my customers over the years is that one thing that they always love is that, yeah, you can buy the $3 bonnet, but you probably got to buy like four or five throughout the year um, where you can just go ahead and invest and have a bonnet that really stands the test of time. So, you know, you kind of have to look at those three things, like what's your product? How is it different? Number two is like, where are you going to serve your people? So on Amazon, 
the next best thing, which was really scary, was just the cheapest option out there. But I said, you know what? That's not the people I want to serve if they're looking for the cheapest option. I'm going to serve the market. And this goes to the core target market you want to look at is I'm, I'm talking to the women that want to invest in their hair. They understand the struggles and they don't mind paying a premium for a premium product. So that's my target. Everybody's not your, everybody's not your audience. So I'm like, this, this is their brand. Like this is their brand. They're willing to pay a little bit more for a lot more <laughs> at the end of the day. Yes. And it's about knowing your audience. I, I yeah. really do appreciate that you said that. And I'm here, like I had it on mute, but I'm here snapping my fingers. Like, yes, girl, <laughs> that is it. You know, you're not for everybody that you want to figure out a way to make your product stand out amongst those that are doing something similar to you. So you don't have to even focus on a saturated market because, well, you mentioned personal brands. When you're a personal brand, you are your differentiating factor. But when you have a product, you know, you have to figure out what is it that makes it stand out. And even with personal brands, the services have to stand out in different ways as well. So it's great that you figured that out from the very beginning. And before we dive into like the sales and marketing, can you tell us a bit about the startup process? Because a lot of people have these product ideas, but they really have no idea where to start or who to trust in terms of manufacturing and shipping. You don't, you don't have to share like your manufacturer. Some things are meant to remain, you know, business secrets, but do walk us through the idea from idea to physical product, the process of designing and finding a manufacturer and all that went into it, please. Yeah, no. So I love speaking to your audience and other entrepreneurs. So I'm not shy about telling what the key resources that I've used and you're still going to have to do your own due diligence. It's I always like to say it's not hard, but it's tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take consistent effort. But just remove the word hard. Because I think sometimes when people say hard, it's like, it, I guess it can be hard. It, it sometimes is. But you don't want to psych yourself out before you get started, right? Girl, so, you are. <laughs> I had this conversation so, with a friend the other day. I'm like, really? Vocabulary. Things can be you know, more difficult than maybe you expect, but it's not a hardship. Like you'll get over it. It's something that you work towards, but it isn't, life isn't difficult. You know, there -hmm. are pieces and journeys that may be a bit more difficult than others, but it in and of itself is not difficult. Girl, continue on. You are speaking my language. (laughs) Yeah, no, and it weeds you out. It weeds the people that aren't serious out because it is a tedious process sometimes. So, you know, I was introduced to Alibaba and there was another one when I first got started. I think it was called Global Resource. Um, but it connects you with all the different manufacturers and suppliers across the globe. And, you know, that was what, if we were 15, maybe 20, 30 years ago, that was really hard to do. And so the barrier to entry to start something, I think, was probably much harder um, and more difficult back then. But we are in such an informational world that sky's the limit now. That being said, so, you know, you can check into Alibaba and just Google some other ones because I'm quite sure others have popped up since then, but you want to still do your due diligence. It's it's still going to be a process of weeding out garbage suppliers or manufacturers. It, it's a lot of back and forth. It's very much a relationship. So when you're, you're talking to these people, especially if you are looking, you know, globally, to, to source different things you want to, if it doesn't feel right, you kind of also have to pay attention to your gut. If they're not responding, respond like in a responsive manner, like that's important, all of, and it was a lot of back and forth. It was a lot of frustration, but it was something that you knew you had to do because once you kind of get that in place, you always have to remember, like once you kind of get over a big hurdle, hopefully it's, you just want to do it well upfront. So you don't want to just try and rush things to the point where it's not going to be a good relationship, it's not going to be a good fit, then you you want to do your due diligence. But that was, I would say, utilizing, man, we're just, we are really blessed to be in this era where we have connection to so many people so easily now. So yeah, just use, like I said, I use, and I'm talking to other entrepreneurs, people that are, you know, interested in the beginning. I went to Alibaba and there was another one. I wish I knew the name off the top of my head, but I'm, you know, Google is your best friend <laughs> and Google is always your best friend. But you, yeah, do your due diligence and get in there and, and work with people that you 
feel you can trust. Yes. So Alibaba is one. So those of you who are listening who don't know what Alibaba is or haven't heard of Alibaba, I forget the gentleman who owns it. It's a Jack Ma. He's like one of the people in the world. Mm -hmm. And Alibaba is almost like the Amazon for for manufacturing and doing all that type of stuff as well. I've had a few clients who've used it for different things. But the important bit of what Renee said just now is that you have to do your research. You can't just hop on, let's say you want to manufacture combs. I'm just making anything up. But let's say you Mm -hmm. want to do combs with your brand's name on it and you want it to do something special. Maybe a combs you're here for you. It's electronic, whatever. So you find people who do this you want to ensure that you're not just reading the reviews, but you could follow up on those reviews. If the person has a name and you see what their product was, maybe reach out to them directly because some of those reviews could be made up. You want to ensure that you're testing out the market, right? Getting test products before you give them a lump sum of your money to make manufacture a product you haven't even seen yet. So it's a whole bunch of things that go into it. Aunt Google is wise beyond her years. You have YouTube right at your fingertips that can give you the step-by-step and things you want to look for if that's something you're doing. So thank you for walking us through that process. And how long did that take you to find the right person after doing your research and all of that through Alibaba? It was about, I want to say like five or six months from like ideation to like having the product ready to sell it because it was a lot of back and forth. I was doing something that I felt like I hadn't really seen. So I was really intentional about like, this is the size I want. And then this is, you know, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to like the adjustability feature and all of that. And sometimes it was like, no, they don't, they don't understand. And I didn't have like uh, artists or anything. So I was makeshifting certain things and trying to help them understand this is what I'm looking for. This is how I want it to be. And then each product since then has been the same process. And sometimes it's taken even longer, like for the heat caps that we offer. That took about nine months. Like and I saw those heat caps, girl. They are awesome. So, okay. So she has bonnets. We, we were talking about the bonnets. The heat caps, it's two different ones. So she has the ones, I correct me if I'm wrong, but you could put them in the microwave. They're the ones that are like, you can move around with it like a shower cap almost, but way cuter and does a lot more, right? So when you're putting your treatments on and stuff, you can move around the house while your hair is being heated with it. And then the mm-hmm. other one is like the one that connects to your dry, your um, blow dryer that's also really cute. Girl, I've been all up on your site looking at it. <laughs> and yeah, so I what I do appreciate is that you're giving realistic timelines. You're like, listen, it took five to six months, you know, and you don't want to rush through that process. Make sure they understand so that when the product comes back to you, you aren't disappointed. And you, all of this matters to where we're about to go when we start talking about all the other things, because, you know, you did all the groundwork, right? You made sure that it was a great product from the beginning that then, you know, translated to you getting great reviews and you getting people purchasing it and telling their friends about it and, you know, like all that type of stuff, because you did the things that mattered at the very beginning. So yeah, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Now, you decided to use Amazon, and I know that it's also on your site as well, to sell the products. So why Amazon? And did you say BE or something? And how soon, yeah. Yeah, and how soon from deciding you know, where your products live? So once you selected Amazon, did you decide you wanted to use Amazon before you went through Alibaba, or was it like around the same time? Yeah, no, I... So the first question is why Amazon? So yeah, the first one and a half years of Glow by Day, as far as from the satin bonnets, on was exclusively on amazon.com and i chose to use that platform and leverage it my journey along with that is you know i started glow by day while i was still working full-time as a medical sales representative so it was like i needed to leverage help (laughs) you know with a business it has a lot of different moving parts Mm -hmm. and i started with amazon.com because they offer a program called amazon fulfillment by amazon and that's that's their program where they allow third-party sellers to list their items on their site and they will handle the logistics. That means getting that prime, that prime stamp on. And so you would send it into their warehouses and they send it out to the customers. So they're sending it throughout the nation so that logistically it will get to them in the one or two days. They're handling the returns. They're handling any customer service issues. Like, oh, my package didn't come. They're handling that. What else? And then it's on the platform where 
50% of the world are buying their items. Yep. So it's a great launching pad. And I'm going to, I always say launching pad because it's not, it shouldn't be your stand all all our business. It's a great way to get your product in front of people that are looking for what they need and want. And it's a great platform to leverage that those services that I mentioned about shipping and organizing and keeping track of the inventory like that really does help and takes alleviate when you, especially when you're focused on a product and you got to worry about distribution you got to worry about all these different things and for me you know starting out as a one-woman show it was very important to to leverage that part of amazon and that distribution channel that i chose so I would recommend that's a great starting place if you're just like, I have a product, I know people want it, or I, even if I'm like, I'm not sure if people want it, that's a great place to see do people actually want it. Because we got to realize Amazon is a search engine. So people are going in, putting exactly what they want. Like if they're looking for a bonnet, they put in a bonnet, they're Millions looking for a <laughs> conditioning cap. I'm working to try and make sure that my conditioning cap is available to them. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple questions around that then. So what you mentioned with the Amazon, I really do appreciate that because it's very similar to with the book. So I have my book on Amazon and they do the same thing. If someone orders a million books, the great thing is Amazon does not just the sending, but they do the distribution, they're printing, they're mm -hmm. doing all the things, which I love. So I don't have to worry about organizing a million books. So with this, are you getting your products to let's say your location and then you have to ship a certain amount to Amazon for them to fulfill or is it directly between like have you linked your supplier at Alibaba to Amazon so as soon as someone orders it automatically goes or is it like a drop shipment like how are you set up with that for me I don't have just one like Alibaba supplier I I have fused different relationships through like I started with Alibaba and then kind of learned through like somebody that I made a relationship with. So my product isn't like one and done in one particular place. So I do have to bring the inventory to me. I don't necessarily have to, but I bring the inventory to me and then distribute it to Amazon and then have a part where it's for like site sales. But yeah, you can do multiple ways. And that's the beauty of this because it's at the end of the day, it's still a channel. So we think about these other brands that they partner with Target and then they also sell through their own site and then they also send to Sephora. You have to kind of divvy that up. And for me, I wanted to have a better control over my inventory. So it kind of gets passed through to here in LA to different Amazon, some going to Amazon and some here stays in LA to ship out for the site. So you can do it multiple ways. I know many of other business owners that do ship directly from wherever their supplier is directly to Amazon. Mm -hmm. So you can do it either way, but it's just about figuring out what's best for you in the business. Yeah. And because your product is a higher quality and it's also a higher price point than others on Amazon, it's great that it does come to you because then you have that quality control, right? You're able to yeah. check to ensure everything's fine before you're sending yeah. it on. So I totally right. get it. Yeah. We have multiple checkpoints because that is also very important. You want to uh -huh. make sure you're sending what you say you're sending um, as far as quality. And I just, I, that's a big part of mine as well. I've always never wanted to just send something without seeing it. And I know as I scale bigger and bigger, I always wonder like how that will look. But then you obviously, you grow your team to also make sure of that. I'm learning in the past year to let go of more and more. <laughs> but it, that's a process and that's a whole nother podcast in itself. <laughs> 
I, I hear you. And you said when you started, you were working full time at the time and you also were a team of one. It was a one woman show. What about now? How many people are you got working with you and are you now a full time entrepreneur? I am a full time entrepreneur now. I left my job, which was probably the hardest decision of my life in February, 2018. And as far as our team now, it's myself. And I also have someone that walks alongside with me full time, but we do a lot of outsourcing. Um, mm -hmm. Contract work. Contracting. Yeah. Outsource mm -hmm. contract because it's really daunting to take on a full-time team member. And so I wanted to just start slow and I wanted it to be very impactful and very intentional. So it took me a while, I felt like, to even do that. <laughs> but yeah, we I'm I'm still working on figuring out and pulling the pieces together who who will be the next full hire for me. Okay. And girl, let's talk about it. You hit so many people's income goals. Okay, honey. Let's tell us. You you had a million dollar sale of products. So you sold a million dollars worth of products in a year. Was a million in a year the plan? Were you surprised? Like how did that happen? When did it happen? And what were you thinking at the time? <laughs> yes. So it was the plan when I launched the satin bonnets and it was really it like out the gate, I it was just amazing. And I just thank God because it was like the market just immediately told me, yes, we love this. We needed this. Um, and that came from like reviews and, you know, reaching out to customers and you could just automatically tell like, this is, this is the market that I want to reach and solve problems for. So I watched this when I used to drive a lot because I used to be in the field as a field representative. So I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts and I used to love this guy named Ryan Moran. He had a podcast and he had this one episode where it was zero to a million dollars on Amazon. And he kind of broke down the formula and the blueprint to getting to a million dollars. And it's really nothing else other than pick a market that you want to serve and release products to that market till you get to the million dollar mark and do certain things along the way, obviously making sure that you're fostering them, making sure that they're taking care of you, releasing a very good product so that they want to come back to you and buy more, or just that that market, you understand that market so you can differentiate your products to serve them. And so that's what I did. I mean, I released the satin bonnets and that was in 2017. And then like a few months later, it was the, the hooded dryer attachment. And then I didn't release the PCAP until later in that year, which was really what catapulted me later in the year of 2018. But I was just doing what Ryan suggest to do, continue to serve that customer. So when I came out with one color of the satin bonnet, then I released like other variations of that satin bonnet in different colors. Smart. And the same with the next product. So then I was able to reach a larger without having to create a whole new product. And so it was just about serving them what they liked and what they wanted. And that it was the goal. And, but I was definitely still surprised because, you know, like, even though I'm a huge fan of manifestation and that's what I do with everything, you are still a little like, wow, wow, God, like <laughs> that was you. But yes, it was definitely a plan. And I just wanted to continue to release product and product. And then since then with trying to transition, not only offering on Amazon, and also on like my other, like my own site, um, I haven't released as many products, but the, those three products got me to that million dollar mark, which was pretty remarkable. But I think it was a large part of the market really not, the market, especially specifically on Amazon, didn't have, didn't have these intentionally made products for women like myself with the curly, curly kinky hair, multicultural, like we, they, that was not even... <laughs> That was not even thought of, it seemed like, on Amazon when I started. And so that was really, I think, what drove a large, robust amount of sales in just one year. Okay. That's a whole lot to unpack. And first of all, you are my soul sister. Because when I heard you say, <laughs> I look, I heard it on a podcast and I basically, I got moving on it, right? It was super yeah. simple. And, you know, obviously it's work along the way and things you have to do, but I really do appreciate someone who sees what they want, knows what they want and goes to get it. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to get it because I'm not going to stop until. And you it worked out for you. And I really, really love that. And you have 
thousands of reviews for your products on Amazon, which is excellent. We all know how powerful seeing other people's reviews are and how they influence buying decisions because really you can see two products that look the exact same and maybe they are the exact same, but one has way more reviews. Even if it's $2 more, if they have mm -hmm. more positive reviews, people often go with that product. So, you know, I was really shocked when I saw so many reviews, but then not really because, I mean, you had a million in the first year. But have you done anything particular to push reviews? So once people purchase the product, maybe an email reminder or maybe an incentive for leaving a review, maybe discount on the next product I've seen before. Like, how did you get so many reviews for the products? Yeah, so, I mean, the, a lot has changed. Since I got started on the platform, a lot has changed. So Amazon is always evolving and really wanting to make sure that, you know, they are protecting their customers. Because at the end of the day, and I always, like to, I always like to give both the good and not so good when it comes to certain things. But Amazon is great. And I, it definitely is an amazing, it still is an amazing opportunity to launch your business. But the thing is, you have to understand when people go buy on Amazon, a lot of the times, they're not really searching for your brand, especially as a starting independent brand. They're not like, oh, I got to go to Globe by Day. Probably, hopefully mm -hmm. now some people are. But, you know, when I was starting, they're not searching for Globe by Day. They're searching for what they're looking for. And so you have to make them your customer by showing up somehow. So starting out, you know, the first 10 or so reviews when I first got started, honestly, that was like, I need you to go leave a review, like to a friend, like leave a review because I, I'm just getting started on this platform. I have no ranking. I have no build, like Amazon doesn't know to drive my listing or anything. Go leave a review. Just grassroots. Just like when mm -hmm. a politician is like going and shaking hands, go, uh, please leave a review. Um, now you really can't do that so much on Amazon because Amazon yeah, really I heard tries that. to make sure. No, yeah, you I can't heard, do that. They're super uh, strict. <laughs> you guys that are listening, just so you know now, from what I gather, and I actually have someone in, I'm interviewing next week who's all about future business stuff. Like she's contracts for um, Google's and Amazon and things like that all the time. And just the future of how business is working, AI is so important. And mm -hmm. with Amazon, if you so much as go into the same build, well, building room, let's say you go to your best friend's house, your phone is in your best friend's house. Your best yes. friend can no longer leave a review for your product. Yes, right? yes. So even if exactly she decided to purchase that product and used her own money and genuinely wanted to get it, maybe you didn't even drive her to do it. Mm -hmm. She can't leave a review because it looks as if you're now skewing reviews and, you, you know, because people for so long were paying people to put reviews and, you know, yes. all of these sketchy things. So because of that, Amazon has really cracked down on it. So I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to let them know that too. That is an excellent point. And I'm so glad because I sometimes I'm like, I don't know how deep you want me to go in, but that is so important that when I got started, it definitely, it was like, okay, yeah, get your help help like at least get a review up there now i when i read a lot of things i'm like i love researching especially when i'm into something i saw a lot of black hat things and if if you all aren't familiar with black hat it's just things that you it's, it's just like uh, trying to make things work that don't really work um just to make a, a dollar and i knew and that's just who i am as a person i was like i want a sustainable business i'm not about to give away all these to just get pre-reviews like mm -hmm. that just doesn't make sense to me and people were getting this account suspended and things of that nature just trying to just make a quick dollar and i'm like no i really think i have something here so i want to make sure that it's you know i'm doing the right things like the following the terms of service on this particular platform and just abiding by the rules because it's, it's not worth like for what like so you can have just make a quick buck so for me i definitely did start out by just asking friends and family to review but that was just like to give me a, a nudge and then what they also allowed you to do was email their customers and it was really just to say hey how did you like your product like this and i wanted to make my email sequence so it's no different than when somebody gets on your email list but my email sequence was very personal i wanted them to know like we're a small family-owned business that is which is feedback really supports not only us to help us improve but it also helps others to figure out if this is the right product for them and so we could email them we didn't have their email address, but it was a system where you could go in and email them and just kind of close out 
this transaction and hopefully build some type of relationship with them. And you can't even do that anymore. <laughs> really? So, like, I that, feel like no. I've gotten emails recently. Um, I used they to recently, they recently changed their terms of service. And sometimes, mm. you know, it takes it's a lag time to, to keep track of what Amazon mm. might do. So some merchants still might do that. And it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think people were abusing it. And so Amazon sometimes probably just has to lay down the law and kind of just say no more. And that's another thing we have to remember. This is Amazon's channel. So just no different than a Target. Target has different rules and regulations when you want to use their channel to sell your products in. So that's the same with the Amazon. It's just one distribution channel. But yeah, you can't, you, technically you're not supposed to. So I don't, I wanted to just make sure that, you know, we're abiding by the rules and doing everything to, you know. I like that. And for those of you who are listening, you may be saying, well, I can't get people I know now to do it if I've been near them, or I can't send emails like I used to be able to. I can't do this. And remember what I always say, to try to change your cans to hauls. So as I'm mm -hmm. listening to Renee talk about, you know, the different changes in Amazon and things like that, immediately I'm like, okay, so when you're sending your product, ensure that you have your Instagram handle or your website on there. Right? You have different things that get them to go on. I know a lot of times some of the smaller businesses businesses do have that little card that says, hey, we're a small business, you know, check out our website, your next sale, maybe 5% off or whatever it is, right? So there exactly. are ways that you can still get them in your loop to send them that sequence, email sequence, if they sign on from your website. So there are other ways around it as well, but you have to be creative and don't limit yourself thinking, well, if I can't do that, then it's not possible. Think about right. how can you make it happen for you. So And things have changed for the good too. Like I think now they do have a press of the button where it's somebody leaves a feedback because I think Amazon does go in and say you know how did you like this product then yes. like they do that and then mm -hmm. if they give you like customer feedback I think you can easily just request them to leave a review so they've kind of embedded some of these third-party apps that were reaping benefits of going in and asking for a review and Amazon is like no we got this we want everything Amazon wants everything <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah so like that oh I couldn't have not said it better it is just because it used to be like that. Cause I have the same thing about social media. Like when I talk with brand owners that really started their, their business on the platform of Instagram, um, I'm like, yeah, it was so easy to grow four or five years ago. And I'm like, now it is almost impossible to grow. Like other than like, no, Renee, stop. It is not impossible. It's just, it's, you, you're, it's not the same. So you just have to figure out what it is now and use it, use it for as much as you can use it and leverage it. And to your point about like the insert cards, yes. So your packaging is your real estate. So I, you know, you can put in just something to get them into your fold to really help them become your true customer, whether that's a, offering a free warranty or offering just some tips or tricks. So visit this or visit that. That's going to be that's going to be key too. And the great thing is if you haven't already gotten your packaging, you can embed that in there. Like I didn't have, I have, I still have packaging changes that I need to make. And so that, that's an uphill battle too, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So much good information already. And how do so many people find your product? So I know that Amazon has its own algorithms. I'm thinking even just from the book side, right? You have your keywords because it is mm -hmm. a search engine that you got to put in. You got to put your categories. Like it's different things that you do that you will learn as you do your research for Amazon. It's how it works. However, you know, did you do any other special advertising on Amazon, like actual paid advertising on Amazon? Or did you use Facebook or use Google AdWords or anything else yes, to drive of people? I, of course. So definitely... Um, utilizing the Amazon sponsored, I, don't, I can't remember what it's called, but like sponsored advertising. Yeah, yeah they have like that recommended bar. Right. Yeah. And towards right. the so, Yeah, that definitely using that advertising is a part of your business expenses. And so you kind of always, for any, for any channel, it's going to be the same. You got to figure out how to get people, how to get your product in front of people. So I did definitely utilize Amazon sponsored advertising and learning that in itself was a, was a curve. So you just have to understand how they go about delivering that sponsored advertising, what it's costing you, and how does that impact your overall margin. That definitely is important. I think a lot of times glitz and glamour of business, when you're like myself and just kind of didn't have, 
uh, CFO necessarily, you have to make sure you are tied in and roped in to those specific numbers, how much you're spending. Girl. To make, yep. Know those numbers. <laughs> and yeah, you do. And especially that was one of the things, and you know, you hear these different things about, you know, the 96% of businesses that fail within this area, which I don't even pay attention to those statistics because <laughs> you just have to go like go. Um, but no, you do have to really know your numbers because especially if you want to make it full, like transition to full time because bills still need to be paid and all of that. So you want to really be drilled in on your numbers and I can't stress that enough. And every day I have to think about that myself. And even if you have a CFO, you still, or whoever that helps you with your books, you still have to really know your numbers. I really like when different business owners on different walks, you know, doing, serving completely different markets, say similar things like that, which lets you know that this is a fundamental that you need to pay attention to. You have to know your numbers. You can't just randomly mark things on sale. You can't randomly let ads run without knowing, mm -hmm. like, like you had mentioned, Renee, like knowing your numbers, knowing your margins, your product, if it's $5 and you're spending $2.50 on ads, then what are you going to be making when you start adding in the other additional expenses? Expenses like shipping and stuff that you'll be charged for. Right. So you have to be really clear what your numbers are. So did you use anything outside of Amazon, like Facebook or Google AdWords or anything? In the beginning, no. I, I didn't want to spread myself too thin. So I'm just starting, I, within the last year, I'm starting to, and because now I have my site and I want to drive people to more to my site more than Amazon, I'm learning more about social media advertising and, and using Facebook and Instagram advertising more so. But before, like in the first year, I was very hyper-focused on learning the Amazon platform in and out. So from advertising to keyword search and all of that. So if we're speaking to people that aren't, haven't, haven't really started and they're considering Amazon as an opportunity, I would kind of get focused in on that because it is a very robust platform all in itself and then go deeper there than trying to spread yourself too thin but yeah I wanted to definitely start building a brand off of Amazon just as much so that I can start really talking to my key customers and delivering other things to them and so you have more control too, right? So it's great that Amazon was the thing that helped you really kick off. And, you know, I mean, you can't complain. It helped you make that first million. Right, you know, right. You know, and then it gets to a place, like you said, you're like, okay, so this really, this platform, the customers, they belong to Amazon. How can I build mm -hmm. a deeper connection? And it's similar to social media where it's like, okay, great. They're liking your posts. They're there. Those, those people following you belong to Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all the places until you get them off of there and onto something that you own, whether that be an email list or you have their phone mm -hmm. numbers or whatever it is, that doesn't belong to you. So that means should something happen with that platform, should they go bankrupt or should something happen, you lose that connection. So it's great that you want to build on other things as well. But Amazon, I mean, we know Amazon's solid, <laughs> but as an example. But you never know. Yeah, exactly. you do. And you do have to protect yourself and protect the downside of just one platform crashing. So yeah, it's like sick getting that person to kind of get connected with you. And if I had to give some type of rule of thumb or, or some advice to that, because I would say 80-20. So if you want to focus in, in on one particular channel, whether it's Instagram or Amazon, definitely go for it because your time is going to be limited. Your energy is finite. So go in 80, but then that 20%, you should definitely be working on trying to continue to speak to them on your own channel like you said, with either email or SMS, text messaging, or just staying in front of them so that they know like we are, we are a true brand and we're here ready to keep you in our fold, <laughs> you know, ready to keep serving you, you know, keep uh -huh. delivering to you. Yeah. And you've done a great job as well of putting your brand out there through some cool places like Essence and Omegazine, Allure, and a few others, well, many others. How did this come about? And do you think they contributed to your sales and getting that brand built, like the personal brand as well? When I say personal, meaning for your business as opposed to it on Amazon? Yeah. Well, how it came about was one of my mentors actually suggested that I do work with a publicist because I, as independent brands, it can be very difficult to get in front of these larger publications and media outlets just because 
you know, not so many people know about you as far as from a budget perspective too, you don't have a large budget to allocate to maybe sending them these grandiose things to gain their attention. So I, I worked with a public, I worked with a publicist to help me to leverage her relationships that she has to get the product at least to them. And what she was very transparent with me upfront is that this is not a marketing campaign or it's not like a marketing all one and done. And it's also not a guarantee. So the thing with the beauty industry is that these editors, they are very product based. Like they don't really care anything about me or you. They care if the product works and the product is good. And so she was very transparent with me up front about that. And I said, well, I still feel like it would be good to, 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 to have that stamp of approval. And I believe that my product can do that. So we definitely sent out to these different editors and leveraged her partnerships and relationships to at least get in front of them. And yeah, it's been a great exposure. As far as direct sales from them, it's sometimes kind of hard to track. Like for the digital publications, it definitely is just increased traffic, which obviously leads to increased conversions. But it's definitely not like a... I always, one of my female entrepreneurs that I love is Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Yes. And you hear, you always hear these stories of like, yeah, I got, well, hers was like, she got featured or she went on Oprah's favorite things and just blew up. Right. And so in my mind, I'm like, if I could just get on Oprah's thing, like whatever. I don't think that's always the case. I think that's usually the exception versus the rule, but um, Mm -hmm. it definitely helps with not only brand credibility, but definitely exposure. And so I think all of that definitely indirectly and sometimes directly ties into conversion sales. It wasn't like a big, I'm in essence, so now I'm a millionaire, (laughs) but it definitely is important to to have that in your portfolio that you've been featured. Yeah, and it helps when they go to your website and see it. And even if you put it on like your Amazon if you put, it'll help differentiate you too. At a like Amazon has right. so many things. If you sell baby bottles and your baby bottles were featured in Parents Mag, then you want to put that in the description because then parents are going to trust it more, right? You have that right. credibility behind you. So this is definitely helpful for things like that as well. For those of you who are listening, when you see someone say, "Oh, I've been featured in Forbes." you're more likely going to trust what they have to say because they've been in Forbes as opposed to someone who hasn't. So if you're choosing between two people to maybe mentor you, that may be the one you lean towards because they have that credibility. So yeah, I love that you differentiated that, you know, it doesn't necessarily lead to direct sales, though it can. It's so much more that it does do, you know? Mm -hmm. So what has life been like pre-business versus post that first million and what you've done since then in sales in your business? What major changes have you experienced? Well, the major thing is the, like the capital. So having the cash to do things that I think will help propel my business. For instance, the publicist. The publicist is, is an expense that I think is a luxury expense that I probably didn't have a couple years ago. Being able to hire help. And so that cash part is, I think, the biggest thing. As far as the business, it's still very much an emerging brand. It's like, I'm still feel like every day I'm grinding every day. Is I Like maybe the 20-year-old Renee would probably be like, child, if I have a million dollars in revenue, I am like quitting life. I am rich. <laughs> and no, um, it's not the case. It's, you reinvest it back in your business. You're investing back in your, to your brand. And it's really, a, but it is definitely really has helped me to find the help to help me take it to the next level. And it's really and you, the you starting You also left point. your job too, right? Yeah. So. so that, and that was before the million. Like I made the million in 2018, the year of 2018. I left in February. I told myself, I need this amount of money. Cause I was like, when do I know? And I, I had a job that I actually really enjoyed and it was great salary, but I knew I, it was like one of those moments in life where, you know, you have to leave good to go to great. And even though it's really hard, you have to do it. And so I said, but I'm also kind of like a practical person and logical person. So I'm like, I got bills. I just had a baby. So I need to do this the way that you hear those. Like you just got to jump out the plane. I'm like, you do have to jump out the plane. 
but I just want to make sure I have snacks along the way. <laughs> so I worked out the numbers as to, you know, what my expenses were and what I was responsible for in my home. And I said, I need to make this amount of revenue. And you'll know, you know, if you know your numbers, you'll know how much you actually take home. And I said, if I can make this consistently every day for, I think it was like two months or so, then I'll know it's time. And I know I, I have something that I'm building. I'm truly building. So that's when I left. And then that's the million dollar year. And I just put everything I had <laughs> into it. Renee, just so you know, we're best friends now. Okay. Because the things <laughs> yes. you're saying, seriously, I'm like, yes. I mean, you're like, yeah, no, I need to make this consistently. One of the first podcasts I talked about was don't listen when people say, listen, just jump out the plane, you know, figure it out on the way down, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's great. And that works for some people, but that needn't be your story. You may want that security. In fact, you should want it, right? And mm -hmm. be able to make that sustained over time. And you said some really great quotables along the way just now too. You had, you know, you have to leave good to go to great. Yes love that and you also mentioned you do have to jump out of the plane but you want snacks along the way <laughs> i appreciate that you don't want to just be surviving you are thriving you want to thrive with it so okay so that's great and you mentioned you have a child as well right i have two i have a three-year-old and she's about to be four in a couple months and i have a one-year-old Okay, she has two young kids and has been able to create this amazing business and is doing all of this. Another one, because that's another thing a lot of people say, like, well, I have a young kid, I can't do it, or, you know, I have to keep my job and I can't focus on a business right now. And it's like, whatever it is that you want, you'll make it happen because mm -hmm. it's not, you're not, you can't not do it because of the kid. The kid could be your reason to want to do it. It's all about how right. you're looking at life and how you're looking at the things around you. Are they burdens or are they the things that help you to step to the next? next level. So I really, really, really love that. Now, many people will see, you know, you had that million dollars in sales in that first year you ran from the 2017 to 2018 and think, oh, you pocketed a million dollars. And I know that's not the case, right? Mm -hmm, you know. So how much of that million, <laughs> talk to me, sis, how much of that million was actually profit between 2017 and 18? I, I would say about a little over a third, which is really great, which is really great because my expenses were low because I didn't have any overhead. I was still working from home, didn't have any employees. I didn't have a lot of what I think I have now, I didn't have. And that's really good margin, really good margin. But for some reason, well, what's funny is in 2000, last year when we filed our taxes, my accountant actually called me and was like, wait a minute. Um, you made really good money, but what, like, what, where, like, this doesn't look right. And I was like, hmm, no, that's all right. But I think him, when he sees that amount of revenue, I don't know if it's maybe a more of a more of established business. I'm not sure, but Amazon definitely takes their fee. It is, you know, you get these sales and transactions relatively easy because you have all these eyes on this platform, but they take a commission. You just think about like, say if you had a unit, they're gonna take a commission. They're also gonna take their fee, which is called their, their fulfillment by Amazon fee, which covers like the logistics and sending it to the customer. And then you're gonna have different things like chargebacks and refunds and all these different things. And then the advertising costs. So all of those different things were playing a part in in getting to a getting to that revenue, but also our expenses. So I would like I thought it was great. I don't know if for instance I don't know why my account was so shocked, but I'm like I thought margins for like huge companies are like 10, 12 percent at the end of the year, bottom line. But so I think it's just perception. But I mean, that was, again, that gave me the cash to work with not only providing on Amazon, but kind of start, I almost felt like I was starting a whole new business off because it's not as easy to acquire a customer as it is on Amazon because you just have people ready to buy. Like you have to kind of really convince them that, you know, you want to put your credit card with this company that you don't necessarily, you have to build that reputation and build that brand awareness. Like that takes dollars and it can either take dollars or time or something else. I'm learning more to like find different things to help me build that that trust with the brand and that's including like incorporating more of myself which i've been getting more and more comfortable with doing and so yeah it's it's definitely a, 
I'm still very much young on the journey, but yes, it's, it's always, uh, it's always, uh, you always kind of have to take what you have, use what's in your hand <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. And I think that is excellent. And that was the first year you did the sales for the bonnets and stuff on there. That is so amazing. And you could tell that you do know your numbers and that's why it's important that you do because some people may make that money or see they make that money and then completely forget about taxes then you'll be in the hole you know oh, so you the, the tax able... bill was crazy the tax yeah. bill and that, that's more income into i'm learning taxes <laughs> yeah i was learning i i'm definitely and that's what i'm saying i i'm i'm learning so much every day but that tax bill i have definitely learned a lesson that was that was that was a big one I was like, you, wow. Mm -hmm. And I actually follow someone online and she blesses her taxes and bills and stuff as they come in. She's like, you know what? Me making this money means I'll have a big tax. You know, I have to pay a big tax a fee for my taxes. However, I'm blessed to be able to even do that. Yeah. You know, I'd rather... Yeah have that big fee rather than not have a fee a big fee at all and not make a whole lot of money so it's right. really like picking your poison at that point but mm -hmm. it's it's great that you do know your numbers and one question i love to ask at the end of every podcast is what does freedom mean to you i really like that question too and i think freedom means peace in the past year of just juggling like you said motherhood and business um what I'm learning is that it's not necessarily an amount of money because I, I too, like would say, oh, when I get this or when I get, make it to this mark, oh, I'm chill. I'm good. No, it's about finding peace with whatever you're doing, however you're doing it. And yeah, it's peace. Because if you don't have peace and you have a whole bunch of money, that's no bueno. If you have, uh, <laughs> If you have like a lot of friends and family relationships, but you have no money, that that is no peace. So it's really about finding peace with whatever you have. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I would say, especially to like the entrepreneurs listening, or you know, when you start making the money, if you live in a high tax state like California, like myself, it probably be smart. And this is what I've done in the past year: is make a tax account and just funnel a third of money into that account just for taxes because you know that way you don't even get used to seeing a large I mean you, you don't get used to seeing money that the IRS would probably take from and then hopefully you pay your estimated taxes and you get it back like a refund or something but uh just make a tax account where it just automatically funnels out that's a good idea where you don't even see it because yeah. I mean, I was living in Bermuda all my life and I've recently moved to Canada. So now I'm like paying 40%, right? And you're like, crap. Wow. So it's like a big hit, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? For me, it's like, okay, well, it's time to step up. If you know you're going to have that big hit, it's time to step up the business and make more to cover kind of thing. And it is important to have that funnel going there where you're in you're not even looking at it or paying attention. It's automatically moving there where you're not focused on it so that you can, you know, so that you don't, I should say, run into problems and maybe spend it or do whatever, maybe reinvest mm -hmm. it in the company and you don't have that leverage to do so. So that's really great advice. Thank you so much, Renee. You have been Thank amazing. You. This was really fun. And I, I hope that, like, because I, I, I'm a podcast junkie. And so now I am just, I love listening to things that fuel me and fuel where I'm trying to go. And I, I just hope that, you know, what I, some of what I was able to say blesses somebody. I'm sure a lot of it will. Most of it, all of it. <laughs> all of it will bless a lot of people. You've had some jams in here. And I know there are a lot of people listening that have product-based businesses or that would like to start one that you've been able to provide so many jams to. And even those who have service-based businesses, a lot of the same strategies and the things you need to focus on applies. So I'm so grateful for you. You gave so much awesome information. Thank you. Thank you. If you're on your individual hair journey, whether you're natural or you have braids or you know, you're just looking for tools to help you manage and maintain your hair at home, definitely visit Glow by Day. Day has an E at the end of it. Um, globalday.com. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Renee, where she shared how she sold a million dollars worth of products, ended up getting a third of that being profit. So if you were doing the math in your head, you knew that turned out to be, she said over a third. So we're looking at 
333,000 is a third. So she said just over it. So we're looking at 350,000 ended up being profit in that first year running it. But I'm hoping you got tons of gems. Please go visit globeiday.com to purchase. If you are on Amazon and you're adding stuff in your cart, write in globeiday, D-A-Y-E, and you'll find her products there still as well. And of course, you know, I'm going to link it below in the description of this podcast, along with her social media handles. Glow by Day is where she's at. I'll also go ahead and link that podcast she was talking about with Ryan Moran that was talking about the zero to one million on Amazon. It is an older podcast, so quite an old podcast, but a lot of it is still relevant. And of course, she used it like you heard back in 2017. So I will link that below as well. But there were some things she said in here that I really want to reiterate. She told you about the three things you need to focus on when brand building, which were really important. And then towards the end, she says some, well, she had jams all throughout. So I hope you took notes. But towards the end, she said, sometimes you have to leave good to go to great. And that was about leaving the job, a job she liked that was a risk, right? She was leaving something to go into something else, which was risky, but it ended up being worth it. So you have to leave good to go to great sometimes. And she does believe that you do have to jump out of the plane, but she just wants to have snacks along the way. And I loved that. Make sure you're building that security for yourself. You know, you don't always have to just do what you see other people doing. Don't be ashamed of protecting your behind, right? Ensuring that you're making that safety net for yourself so that you aren't just flying and burning. So hopefully, like I said, you found this helpful. If you did, make sure you take a screenshot and share it with Renee and I. I'll tag mine below. You know, I'm at Gaynete everywhere. So G-A-Y-N-E-T-E and she is Glow by Day, D-A-Y-E on Instagram as well. Let us know you're listening. Chat next time. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.